Welcome back to another episode of Searching for MacGuffin with your hosts, George, Gabe, and Leigh. Feel like there's something missing? Yes. No. Two of our. What? No? No? Okay. You're right now. Nah. I, I don't know okay. what I was thinking. All right. It was so, like a whisper. I don't know. Okay, so we're not anyway. going to go with that bit about them being lost in the forest. Oh, Dan. Dan is somewhere out oh, there. Okay. That's the person I haven't seen, but I just felt like something else was missing when I was, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, you can't <laughs> describe <laughs> what you were it. doing. I can't verbally camera. say it. Hey, Lay. Hey. How you doing, girl? I'm good. Wait, that was weird. It, that was I mean, weird. Go with me. Happy <laughs> okay. to be here. Happy to have you. Happy hey. to have you. How you been? I'm good. I'm good. Like I said, happy to be here. Our listeners and now viewers have been asking, when's she going to be back on the show? Have they She's actually? She's our favorite. Or are you just saying yeah. that to type me? No, no, no. no that's they, true. That's no, true. That's, <laughs> le- le- that's legitimate. Wow. Like, she's our she's our favorite host. And then we're like, she's a, she was a guest. She's not a host. And then she's like, what? And then she's like, I just, they're like, they're like, uh, <laughs> why don't you have more women on the show? And then we're like, and then Gabe throws up his hands <laughs> for the people listening to the podcast. I think I'm, I think I've just transitioned more to the viewers. I've just, yeah, yeah. I think it's just that's why I'm, too. yeah, I'm the audience. I mean, I'm the voice for well, the audience. The thing is, like, I've realized, like, listening back to the episodes, that, like, I kind of stopped, but like, viewing has got me back. To actually watching our episodes yeah, yeah I, I agree i i think link mentioned oh oh we're not mentioning him i don't know who's oh who? there was a there's a guy that i used to do this show with <laughs> who mentioned that he didn't listen to the show and i stopped listening to to this show but i think i'm i'm watching it now and it's kind of like breathe new life at least for me so interesting yeah, yeah. Like actually being on camera. new medium and i think it's super interesting okay so for those of us watching on youtube and yes those of us because one of them keep <laughs> keep watching thanks for the support <laughs> but yes this is our first video episode with our first remote guest uh we we usually have a remote host who's gone somewhere again in the forest but our fir- yep but our first remote guest thank you for joining us uh on this topic that i think is very important to you it is as much as it is to us we're gonna be talking about fantasy this week Fantasy? Football? No, no. No. I don't feel equipped to talk about that. Fantasy soccer? No. Have you ever played fantasy sports, Leigh? Um, yeah, I did fantasy football at work. I wasn't very good. I'm not very consistent is the issue. But I did start fantasy F1 this year. Um, I also fell off of that. But it was the first time I was actually like properly interested in something. So maybe next year. Fantasy F1. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know. I was so intrigued by this. We don't have time to think if you want to start a league <laughs> next season. Yeah, right? I'm just going to put it, it? All, I'm just, <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to put it all in on Ferrari and just have my hopes and dreams crushed. Okay. This might be another episode, but I am so fascinated. We'll talk about this after we're done, but fantasy F1, that's crazy. But now we're <laughs> going to talk about fantasy. How how would you define fantasy? Me? Feel free, anyone, to respond. Um, uh, I defer to Lay. No. Mm, I feel like I should have. Mm, no. Cut to me. Should have known that was coming. Ten minutes ago, should have Googled that. Um, yeah, just like, what is fantasy to you? Like, how would you define it? I don't know. I feel like in a, in a, 
in a basic sense, like I want to say there's like a bullet point list of things that need to be included in something for it to be considered fantasy, right? Magic. Like, magic. And elves. Yeah, elves or elves. Fae or elves elves dragons. above anything. <laughs> yeah. Elves above anything yeah. need to be in it. Yeah, agreed. Um That's yeah. it. That's the I, list. I, yeah, I guess just something that takes place in a in a world that doesn't exist. Okay. Yeah, like uh I guess the use of either like some mysterious power, mythical creature, mm-hmm. um, just something out there. I know we were talking about this earlier, but I heard you consider something that most people wouldn't consider be fantasy to be fantasy. Yeah, everybody talks about like the epitome of sci-fi, which is Star Wars, and I would argue that Star Wars is more fantasy than it is sci-fi. Science fiction is typically defined with some kind of like idealization of technology. But to me, Star Wars, it takes place in a distant past rather than the future. Sci-fi usually takes place in the future. And it's all like space wizards and like sword fighting. Yeah. And this magical Uh, property called the force. Yeah. So magic and space. Well, I come from the one and the same. Is Thor fantasy? I don't... <laughs> yes. I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, fantasy, I guess, has a lot, a lot of similarities with like, yeah, like Norse mythology and. Yeah. No, and I, and I think, I mean, this isn't a conversation about Star Wars, but I think that's one of the things that like attracts so many people to it is that it's such like a unique mix of both. Like it's so defining in that aspect. Yeah. We're like, yeah, well, you have sci-fi, but it's not the same thing as Star Trek. Yeah, Star Trek I consider to be sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and why then why while that's great, I think that the way that Star Wars mixes both like kind of like the mythology with science fiction or the fantasy in science fiction is one of those like just main points that I like. People, so many people gravitate gravitate towards it. So like myself. So. Oh, I thought somebody was gonna fight me on my me defining Star Wars. As no, fantasy. wrong crowd. If you want someone to fight you on that. I've I've heard we're supposed maybe to maybe someone on the internet. Yeah. Okay, but what's the earliest? No, no, no. You we already have too much disagreement on the internet. Okay. Yeah, that's a good well, point. We're therapy. We're a place where we come together. Yeah, and if we positivity. actually disagree, we can work that out. Okay. Okay. What's some of the earliest memories you have of fantasy? Where Where do you Where do you define your connection to fantasy? Um, I guess I'll start. I think fantasy. For the most part, I mean, obviously, Lord of the Rings, like, Lord of the Rings. How, how old were you when you first? What year did the second one come out? 2001, 2000? Yeah. Something like that, right? Yeah. Yeah, 2001, I think. Um, 2001, I'm pretty sure, went to the theaters. Don't really remember it. You hadn't read a book before? You hadn't? N- n- no. I think, I, I really think Lord of the Rings is like kind of what got me interested. Like then reading at school, like King Arthur mm-hmm. and the tales like that, and his oh, knights, some of those older mythologies. Yeah, and yeah. his knights like around the Round Table. Um, I think that's kind of stuff. Really, like Lord of the Rings really set that. And especially like I guess growing up, um, my dad was really into it, so he'd like take me to Renaissance festivals, Renaissance fairs, um, yes, uh, just stuff like that. Like I guess. And like thinking now about it, I'm like, man, that was that was really a big part of my childhood. I'd have like a fake like wooden sword and a shield. I'd have like a whole outfit. And I remember my dad used to buy like the the Lord of the Rings swords. Yeah. 
which I thought were the coolest thing when I was a kid. Um, That's awesome. But yeah, I think Lord of the Rings has to be like the thing that like threw me into that world. Yeah. It's funny. So you're saying that Lord of the Rings like submerged you into that kind of tradition in literature and film. But then you're going back to some experiences that even predate that, like the Renaissance yeah, like Fair Festival. Thinking about like the Renaissance Festival, we used to go almost like every year when I was a kid. And that used to be such like an integral part of me growing up. Yeah. Um, just like the culture. And I don't I think that's what made me so interested in like medieval periods and like actual history. And the way it's like, yes, Lord of the Rings is fantasy, but that aspect of it like kind of being medieval made me so much more interested in history classes about that stuff yeah when i was learning about all of it it was so fascinating to me that it's like bro this guy arthur he's just like aragorn like this guy's yeah, awesome for, yeah yeah so so stuff like that i think is interesting where it's like it comes from a place of fiction but how it can translate to the real world of like where these things basically come from mm-hmm. like the, the the their origins and things like that right. i think i think it's really fascinating yeah i think it's how, funny I think it's so cool that you have these like memories from younger where you like went to like I went to my first renaissance fair this year and that was like a big thing for me because I by the way <laughs> this is a shout out <laughs> I went, Lay's, I went Lay's, dressed. Lay's yeah. outfit uh, for the renaissance festival was fantastic thank you Dan if you're out there in the forest and you can hear us put that in the show notes okay, just... <laughs> and for any social media manager out there I think we should put that on our socials but yeah. oh okay I'll so pass, you went. I'll so you was. <laughs> so you said this year was your first one. Yeah, this is my first ren- like Renaissance fair. But I have always had a love for that. I think for me, I'm trying to think. Maybe like early on, first fantasy. I think of like Magic Treehouse or like Magic School Bus. That's like a version of fantasy that I think for mm. me first existed. I didn't. Okay. Growing up, I'm I'm the oldest of my like generation, the oldest girl at least of my generation. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So I didn't have anybody to like teach me that. My parents aren't into fantasy really or anything like that. So I didn't have anybody like introduce me to that. So it's been like me discovering that on my own as I've gotten older. And then you know you meet people and and friends and people then share that with you and and you grow into that. So like Lord of the Rings things like that i didn't get into until i was a bit older but i think there's always been a love of fantasy and the medieval world i think i've always been drawn to movies and stuff like that i was thinking the other day i'm pretty sure in the the fourth grade fourth or fifth grade maybe i i went dressed as someone like from the renaissance like i had like a red velvet dress and like the headpiece (laughs) and like what what fourth grader in south florida is wearing that (laughs) like (laughs) That's just not not a thing. Um, so I think I've just always had like a deep love for it. Um, that probably came from from books and reading and turned into what it is now. Yeah, it's funny because you mentioned fantasy being tied into that medieval period, and I don't even I don't even think I had made that connection before. Because if you're saying when did I get into fantasy, yeah, I'm gonna jump into like Lord of the Rings, and I think I saw the animated Lord of the Rings like growing up as a kid. I didn't understand what any of it meant. I read The Hobbit in eighth grade. You talk about like knights and toys. Uh, you know, your father and me had like armies, like entire like legions of soldiers. That was, that was literally it. Like we had the Fisher Price, like full castle sets, full like multiple castles. Different, okay, we had like like three different armies. 
the only thing different about them was that they were different colors. So that's like how yeah. you differentiate the armies. And then it was between playing with those toys, the wrestling toys, and Star Wars toys. Yeah. Right. That was like what Which I was saying. things that yeah. you still love now. Exactly. And if you get in and if you get other toys, you find a way to like reconfigure them into those worlds. <laughs> it was like Fortnite. It was like Fortnite, but like as a kid, just yeah. throwing things together and then them fighting each other. Like I had Gandalf fighting um who was it? Obi Wan. Yeah. And then wow. they were like, Oh, we're actually friends. Let's team up. The thing is, you know what's weird? Having to pay for bad guys. Yes. <laughs> because you need a plot uh-huh. and the heroes need to fight somebody. But it's like, do I wanna buy a bad guy? You kinda have to. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And I've never got it into like RPGs, tabletops, and like, especially the ones that include like you buying armies and units and stuff like, like that. Like Warhammer and stuff? Yeah, like Warhammer, for example. But, but with those Fisher Price toys, we got to the point where we created rule sets. Like, we, we basically oh, had. Oh, with a the handbook. die. And, yeah. Yes, I remember. We had that. our own die rule sets. Like, how to roll damage eat like we would upgrade every battle like we would keep stats for every individual soldier yeah i didn't learn math in school i learned math at home <laughs> yeah <laughs> playing these games because we would upgrade them by rank like they would start as just like a foot soldier and then like if they survived several games um you know they would become a captain in the army no that joint's it, crazy i remember the first time i saw a 20 sided die i was like what there's 20 <laughs> I was and, freaking out. And I remember once we, we also decided, like, okay, if a, if a character dies, he's dead. He's like, dead. you can't use him anymore, but you can repaint him. And you can deploy him, start over from the bottom again. And, and that was my, like, kind of ghetto experience with those kind of games. I've never allowed myself to get into those games because I have friends that are really into it. And it's a lot of time and it's a lot of money. And I, I just haven't allowed myself to like fall in love with that genre for fear no yeah i mean it's, it's hard believe me i know i've seen it first yeah um but i think it's interesting like i think like looking back at it now the way that like fantasy and, and all these things that we used to either watch or consume for me at least really shaped my creativity like my creative nature as yes. a kid and how i would form stories and plot lines with the toys that i would make it's like if i couldn't watch a movie or TV or something like that, I would make my own, like mm-hmm. make my own in the story. So it's like, it really drove me creatively. I think as a kid to, to be able to, you know, get some inspiration in the fanta- in that fantastical world uh-huh. and then move on, build from there in the real world for me, at least. Okay. Yeah. What do you guys think? This doesn't have to be like a long winded answer, but what do you guys think it is about fantasy that like draws so many people to it? Like, why is it, why is it so popular? I think, I mean, I think it starts back to that medieval thing. I think with like the stories that people have been telling for centuries, you just naturally, I, at least I do, I naturally gravitate towards that stuff. And I think the fantasy allows you to, to take it a step further into things that it's like, it's not real. And, but I think creatively you can do more. You can go further, like. Any character that I make in a game or anything that happens, I'm choosing a knight. I'm choosing a warrior class. Like that's mm-hmm. just something that I gravitate towards because of characters like Aragorn, characters like King Arthur, the people like I don't know, just like characters based off of honor or doing the right thing, uh clearly have a sword somehow. Like uh-huh. <laughs> that's just or like like Luke Skywalker in that sense. Yeah. Luke Skywalker is like a knight. 
Yeah, the I, mean, I think it's a Jedi. He's a Jedi Knight. Whatever it is, right. yeah. And I think that I think it's like, you know, oh, is it? It's Obi Wan, right? Who alludes to it? It's like a weapon for a more civilized time. Exactly. I mm-hmm. think it's, and we're getting to the MacGuffin of this conversation, like already, because I think it's kind of already just unearthed itself, like you know, fifteen minutes into this conversation. I think it's. I think it's just such like a a big topic for each of us that it's like it's hard not to just jump yeah, straight just jump into, into, that. into it. Yeah. Because it's, I think we look at the world today and we think about, you know, like, like army and guns and bombs and stuff like that. And there's almost something like. It's too real. Yeah. It's, it's not valorous, but when you have that like sword in your hand and like the chivalry, yeah, there's chivalry, there's honor, there's valor. And it's, things were simpler back then. And I think it's a sense of escapism. Because like we don't have magicians or orcs or elves. This isn't Warcraft, which is one of my earlier yeah. fantasy experiences, right? War Warcraft one, two, three. The good old eventually, days. yeah. Before World of Warcraft, which I also won't let myself get addicted to. But we don't have those things. That's a sense of escapism. But at the end of the day, we have a real life time period that we can like point to and be like, this is this is kind of the basis or the root of what defines at least the human level of fantasy yeah because at the end of the day the humans part in the story i'm could happen like it could have happened and it could still happen today to some degree we still relate to those very human characters yeah and i, and I think it's a i think it's just as time progresses and the way that you see different like you see life differently your perspective changes i think that the way that you you look for these things you search for these things especially like creatively or like however you like to like you know the way that you take fantasy in or the way that you take anything in i mean obviously like your tastes tend to change like i remember i mean like i said lord of the rings growing up that was my thing loved it to death and then i remember when um this little show it didn't it wasn't really a big deal it came and went um it was called like game of thrones came around oh okay yeah and no big deal i remember i was getting into when was i I was getting in i was in high school um i think it was like a sophomore or something and i remember that i remember like the first that like there was some like ads on it and i was like i just remember i was like this seems like game this seems like lord of the rings (laughs) i'm gonna watch it i didn't know anything about books i didn't think about anything else um but i i ended up watching the first episode i'm like Boromir's in it. I'm in. I'm watching this. <laughs> right. Like, um, and after that, and, like, and as a lead, yeah, and he's like the main character of the show. Yeah. And then go, and then like week to week, the like progressing, watching that. Um, I was like, man, this is great. I shouldn't be watching. Maybe I shouldn't be watching this. Like at this age, maybe it's too much for me. But who cares? <laughs> I've been doing this since I was like six. Um, you've been watching Game of Thrones since you were six. No, I've been watching like <laughs> stuff I shouldn't have been watching. You're watching Dream On, on like HBO? what was it? Uh, Troy, <laughs> like uh, oh, okay. Troy, like the Brad Pitt mm-hmm. one. Yeah, or in the other Helen and Troy is the one I was thinking. Oh about. yeah, Helen and Troy. That was on NBC. Also, is Troy? I think is Troy rated R. I think the director's cut. We just oh okay. Um, like you knew what yeah, the director's the, cut was back then. It, exactly it's unrated. <laughs> so um, and then like towards the end, like obviously it has adult themes. And I was like, I never saw this stuff in Lord of the Rings. Right. Like, and like as an adult, oh, no, I was an adult at the time, but like growing up, I was like my, what I was watching fantasy wise 
was changing right before my eyes. It was growing up. Exactly. It was it was take it was taking just like mature themes and putting it into this world that to me was just like fantastical, but like in a sense innocent with the things that it was like talking about mm -hmm. and saying and doing like the nudity in Game of Thrones for 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 instance. Yeah. And like all sometimes the, like, to uncomfortable levels. And like the like the excessive violence and stuff like that. Yeah. And and for Brutal. the first couple of seasons, like it is a bit much to like for me at least. Um but I think the main thing was when I mean spoilers if you haven't seen Game of Thrones, I'm about to spoil something, so stop listening and maybe watch Game of Thrones. I don't know. Yeah. Um, if, if only Wong would have done that on the She-Hulk show. <laughs> I still haven't seen the end of She-Hulk, so don't repeat it. Thank you. You haven't seen the end of... Uh, have you finished Sopranos? No. Do not watch Yeah, it. don't watch She-Hulk. Do not watch Yeah, I know. You, you told me I got spoiled like five times. I was mad for like a week. Um, <laughs> That's on you. I, that two, I came out so long ago. Two, I was two episodes from it. <laughs> That's, it it's not... Every, well, I mean, I guess you're right. No, yeah. two episodes from that one. Okay, that yeah. sucks for you specifically. But so that's not on though. them. Like, eventually you can yeah. reference things Sorry. that happened. You lose that argument. Um, where was I going? Oh, yes. So, when... Spoilers. When Ned, when Ned dies. Yes. When Ned dies, I was like, oh... Okay, this is what this is what's happening. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's not just Ned Stark too, because also Drago, right? Is that his name? Cal Drogo, yeah. Yeah, Cal Drago. He dies too. Cause this is me all through those first, what is it, ten episodes? It's like this show's amazing because of these two characters. Boom, they're both gone. Yeah, and I mean it really subverts expectation in that sense. I'm just like, huh. That's the main character. Yeah. What do you have left? Even then, it's like, to me, Drago's like the main character of the other one. Uh, yeah. Maybe, yeah, because she hasn't really emerged. You know, Khaleesi yeah. hasn't really... It, that's the, the thing that's gonna, like, the fire that's gonna refine and harden the character because she's so subservient to her older brother and then Drago that it's like... Am I, name, am I pronouncing that weirdly? Because yeah. I always think Paul of the Drogo. boxer. Called Drogo. Called Drago. Drogo. Drogo. Uh, she's subservient to like both of them, and then this is the thing that like you know that leads to her being a lead on the show. But it's and like taking that, like doing, like making that choice and using that kind of like a high statured character and using it for the progression of another character. I think is is part of what I'm saying. Like story wise, story choices. Like yeah. obviously it's a book, but like for me watching that, I wasn't. I was used to like really like simple plots like you know you could like it, you it's pretty easy to see what's coming next but i think that's the, like one of the first times where it's like expect the unexpected yeah with that yeah. type of stuff yeah you you um you read these books Liani? i read the first three and then i okay didn't not because they weren't good i just think i was like in college probably just gonna keep up mm -hmm. the show was great I so i had a friend recommend the books like, they got me a graphic novel, Hedge Knight. I liked it. I thought it was good. So I checked out the first book. I didn't love it. I'm really bad, personally, with, like, names and dates. And that's, so all, it's like that's you, so many names and dates. You need to annotate. Because <laughs> yeah. by the end of the book, like, there was things were happening to people who I didn't even know who they were. Mm -hmm. Like, there's so many characters. Yeah, I think that's also a big thing in fantasy in general. I've realized, I think... That's why, although fantasy is really popular, it's maybe not for everyone. I think because it is usually 
pretty complex. A lot of different storylines, a lot of different characters. Sometimes the names are really hard to pronounce, all those things. And I think some people just can't process all of that. I think and it's I a fact that I love, but... Yeah, no, for sure. Because, I mean, it, it, it's challenging. And, I mean, as, some, as like, a, a person that's consuming this stuff, I would like to be challenged. It's not always about, like, turning my brain off. Like, sometimes right. you want to actually use it. Yeah. Um, but it requires commitment. Exactly. And some and people I, just and don't I, And I it. think that, I mean, especially in today's world, like, it's just, it's tough. Yeah, mm -hmm. it can be a barrier. you've got. It can be a barrier for entry. Look, I, I'm thinking now about why I have a deep dive fantasy more. And it, it it's probably that, like, committing to these worlds. Like, I, I love Lord of the Rings. And I know, like, a fair amount of it. But I always feel like I should know more. Like, I should. And I think it's that, going back to my Star Wars thing, not to harp on an example, that's the world that I know. Like, I know that guy that's on screen for like two seconds in the bar. And like, I know what this guy did before he showed up in this. And then that, that like, that's how I know Star Wars characters. That's my fantasy world. And mm -hmm. sometimes it can feel overwhelming to be like, I have to know Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones and who knows whatever series as deep as that. That's a lot of knowledge because I am yeah, a big commitment. I am a, yeah, go ahead. I said it's a commitment. No, she was saying. Oh, it is a commitment. Yeah, absolutely. And because I, I am like a history buff and like I like maps, probably not as much as like fantasy people. Just not into right, cartography but I, and. Yeah, I like the ideas, but when it comes to like, like I said, names and dates, it can be a bit much, especially like it's not real. Maybe I should probably learn some kind of ancient period in real life more than like investing 200 plus hours into learning these things. But I respect people who do like. Yeah, I should I should have been focusing on school instead. I was like deep diving Game of Thrones characters and houses <laughs> and where they come from and and where things could have like where things because this is before the show was over. So right. it's like like after was it season seven came out, I just binge watched the whole show again and then just went on YouTube just mindless hours just deep diving stuff that it's like what is this knowledge for? <laughs> but it's like, it, it's just like, it's just like this craving that you get that you just want to keep looking. It into all led it. to this day. It all led. Exactly. It's all to, it's all You've for been this. Prepping your whole life for this. You could have been anywhere yeah, in the world. You could have been born at any moment. Gabe, you talked about like your love growing up. Um, we talked to Leani extensively for over an hour about why a, novels in season one and if you haven't listened to the ya dystopia oxyopia episode with Leani, go back and listen give that a listen but i think there's some overlap between that and this topic but i because i think some of the earlier fantasy some of the outside before we deep dive into specifically game of thrones and the new series house of the dragon i got the name right that time right house of the dragon and rings of power some of those other series tend to like kind of aim younger. What are some of the series that you've read throughout your like years? Even um, though for younger, not necessarily like when you were young. Could have yeah, been yeah. now. Um, yeah. I feel like uh, Gabe mentioned Chronicles of Narnia, definitely. Um, Harry Potter, mm. I think, is a big one. Um, yeah. Although I read that when I was a bit older. Harry Potter's interesting because it's like sometimes we don't think about like that real magic, like you know which i mean they have goblins right mm -hmm. but it's more like which isn't like magic is it is it different than fantasy does that fall into that genre yeah i think so i just think i think it's different which is why i think it's so interesting and fascinating like i think that's why people gravitate towards that's why i like it i enjoy mm -hmm. 
maybe not as much as like the next person. It's like some people I feel like grew up on Harry Potter. Some people grew up on Lord of the Rings. Some people did both. Yeah. I was just like a super like fantasy wise. It was. It's an easy transition to the other. Yeah. And like, I I guess I didn't watch a lot of Harry Potter when I was a little kid because I, for some reason, I was allowed to watch Lord of the Rings, but not Harry Potter. Right. Um, (laughs) So then I was able to like catch up and watch them like these. The story is great. And I, I enjoyed watch. I was able to watch the last couple of ones in theaters um, before it ended. But the fact that it is different because it's in a modern time period and you're bringing that, that fantasy into like our world. Yeah. I think that's super cool. Like another um, book series for me that I would read um, was um, Percy Jackson. Yeah. 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 And I don't know what it was, man. Like I was just, I had this. Maybe it's them from from the medieval and fantasy <laughs> obsession, but I was super into Greek mythology. Yeah, no, Greek I mythology. Was, it's amazing. Like, as a teacher, so many students are drawn to Greek mythology, which you'd think would be like a hard sell because it's so old and ancient. Yeah. But I think it's this. If you grow up like consuming these kind of stories, like your Harry Potter, your, you know, I don't know how into like Lord of the Rings you are at a younger age. Sure, there's definitely a crowd. You know, but like your Percy Jacksons, for example, that's an easy hook. Once someone's read or seen Percy Jackson, then they will just read like entire histories yeah. on like They'll the characters. The, the that Odyssey based on. and no, I, yeah. I mean, especially like like because that falls into that like let's say there's a Venn diagram of like YA fantasy, like modern period, like whatever it is, like and the fact the they're fact gateway that, drugs, right? Exactly, like yeah. because. You have that aspect of the Greek mythology, but then you have this, obviously, this character who's not necessarily an adult, like they're coming of age, sure, but this, this kid's like a teenager. Yeah. And at, the, and at that age, I'm the, same, I'm the same age as him when I'm reading his stories. And it's like this hero embarking on the hero's quest, the hero's journey, mm-hmm. going through all those things. And it's like, it's very relatable. It's very easy to relate to and put yourself in that position. And then seeing the other characters in that fantasy world, having, like, being able to, to mix both. Yeah. It was so close to like, you have reality but then you also have the fantasy aspect and it's coming together as one and it's you just get i get lost in it yeah it's so easy to do that so easy Mm -hmm. and i think it's also it's translated like in their language you know these are ancient texts right that are kind of brought forth to them and if you have someone who kind of like guides you and like magnifies it it's also nice to like read about like murder rape sex all these taboo topics and for some reason it's okay to do it if the book was written like thousands of years ago like you can do it in the classroom you can talk about it with your friends and teachers you're not gonna get in trouble your parents are gonna be okay yeah you know and it's like we think about some and we'll probably get into it when we talk about the shows especially like house of the dragon but um some of those taboo topics that get covered, they're in these texts that we're like teaching 15 and 16, mm-hmm. you know, year olds. And like, we don't bat an eyelash at them in those contexts, but we do today, obviously probably because of the visual component. But I think it goes beyond that. I think there's definitely a double standard on, on what's current and modern versus what's like old and traditional. Yeah, because I mean, there really isn't... Um... I think it. I think a big thing is the visual component. Mm-hmm. Like to say to say the word rape and then to like to see it portrayed. Yeah, I feel like it's two completely different things. Absolutely, obviously, absolutely. But I think also a piece of it does give you context because once you because I mean hopefully never mind. 
when you see it like on screen, mm-hmm. it gives you more context. If you ever go back and read those things or whenever you read it in a book or something like that, it's like there's like a there's like a bit of there's a bit more context visually. You have that memory mm-hmm. and it's like it can make that more impactful. Yeah. And it's a double-edged sword because I think when done right and artistically, it the right emotion is like sent to the viewer. Yeah, it's portrayed. The way it's portrayed and like the way that you the the viewer receives right. it. But also we live in like a HBO style world. And I guess it's time to just like I mean it pre- like in a sense that it's like it's a bit romanticized in a way. Yeah. In a strange way. That's how it feels like sometimes. Or it's like I watch a movie like, what was it? The Kite Runner. Mm-hmm. The Kite Runner, there's a certain scene like that. And I mean, that, I mean, Kite Runner came to my mind because that's something that's like, the way that they portrayed that, it's like, you feel the emotion. Obviously, you can it's never like feel. It's like burned into your memory Exactly. Too, right? You can never feel yeah. what that person felt like in real life. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that, that emotion, that, that feel, like whatever the person's going through is excellently portrayed in that film, right. in the book. I mean, because I mean, you read it in the book. And yes, it's it's a terrible traumatic experience, but watching like actually watching the film mm-hmm. with like no music going on, it's dead silent. It's just like this is what it to, it is to be like in that in that scene. Mm-hmm. It's it's something you can't really compare. Um, but yes, like you were saying, HBO kind of does this a lot. Um, yeah, I guess no. with the mature themes. That was like something I balked at when I at first jumped into Game of Thrones. Now into House of the Dragon, having gone through that experience for several years, I had my trepidation getting back on board. Um, first response. I know we covered it like in the beginning is the end is the beginning is the end, whatever the name of our first episode this mm-hmm. season was. We kind of gave like a little mini like, hey, this is what we've been watching. This is what we think so far. We were halfway through it. What, what was your guys uh, impression how do you guys feel now that I assume you both finished watching House of the Dragon? Yes. Yeah. First. So go ahead. Um, I very much enjoyed it. I I don't know. No, I enjoyed it, and I and I thought it was I, I thought it was done well. And we can obviously go deeper into that, but I think half of it was just being excited to be back in that universe and that world yeah. that we like know and love and spent so many years giving ourselves emotionally to um but yeah i i enjoyed it i was pleased with it i'm excited for the rest of it all right what's so great about the show you have to pitch it to i know a portion of our audience hasn't watched the show doesn't watch the show this this genre even though it is popular it is a it is a niche genre even within genres i myself i had difficulty getting through um i watched man how far I, i i think i got four left right I'm like a month behind. You got like three left. Yeah, I got like three or four left. Because it's just, it's very, I don't want to use the word adult or adult. I don't want to use the word adult because that's not a word. I don't want to <laughs> use the word adult or mature because that's almost that's like. a new word now. <laughs> uh yeah. It's almost like euphemizing. Like, it's strong. It's graphically strong um, in regards to violence, which I'm pretty much okay with. For the most part, um, but but also you know sex and and some other taboo topics, and it's just a real dark show in the sense that there's not I don't find a lot of light and hopefulness, and I probably would have drudged on just to finish it for the sake of the show. 
but my wife was really like do we have to watch it i don't i don't feel like watching it part of that is probably huge hangover and uh post-traumatic stress from the end of game of thrones you know like do i even want to watch another game of thrones show so it's kind of like that attitude going into it but what would you say you enjoyed about this show and what what would you find it pleasing i don't know if that was the right word pleasing um yeah the sh the show is pleasing i guess okay um, it was quite pleasing <laughs> i mean i i feel like and it kind of goes back to what we were talking about finding characters finding characters to root for but also what was so good about game of thrones at the beginning was not knowing what to expect and this show managed to do that again i think i don't know where you're at on the show yet specifically but it does manage I to think do I, that I, I just did the time jump where the characters are older spoilers sorry gotcha yeah, I don't know if that's. A I mean, that's that happens like every that happens through. That happens. Oh, does times. it really? Yeah, so yeah, the first one. So the first one. So uh, the first, the first time. time when, when they, which is the biggest one they, I would think. Yeah, when they get new actors, basically. Yeah. When they get two new actors, that's it. Oh, okay. And some actors so, don't get each of whatever. This that's has been pretty uh, well publicized. That's funny that you say the unexpected and not being able to know where. I try to avoid spoilers, mm. and I kind of got like hints and stuff. Is that difficult now? It is based on a book. I don't know how closely it follows it, from what I understood, pretty closely. Yes, I don't. I think, yeah, think they just make some changes. It. Yeah, we didn't read it. But no, like, I know from what well, I've read. Okay, so that's I've my seen. question. I know that you haven't read it, but in this day and age, you don't even have to read it to know, like, basically what happens and the reputation. You have to actively avoid. Did you guys actively avoid any spoilers for the show? Mm, after I saw one, yeah. Okay. I'm trying to think if so, I, yeah, I had to like actively avoid. I think I like made it a point to watch every episode when it came out for that reason, because I think it's hard to watch anything, but especially a show like that and get on. I just wouldn't get on Twitter or mm -hmm. any form of like or Insta any form of social media if I wanted to avoid spoilers. Yeah, and that's. I mean, like you said, like you kind of have to get to it really quickly mm -hmm. to um to avoid that stuff. But I don't know. There's also something that I I missed about game of thrones there's that aspect that it's like it's nine o'clock you know most people yeah. are like are in their house watching on a sunday like watching yeah. this with you you may not be talking to them or like being there with them present but like it's like but it's happening it's like a community but it, thing. you you know it's there and there then you is, can talk about it with your friends the next day and group chats and all this yeah. stuff um there is so from my window which you can't see but from my window i face another building and a lot of people have their windows open and we like looked and saw other people like if other people were watching it and we did so like three or four people hey. watching at the same time which is just like a great a great thing and kind of that sense of community like you said so so what you're telling me is you enjoy watching the show because it allows you to commit voyeuristic acts to your neighbors you just and invade their privacy <laughs> if you leave your 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 shades up you're inviting people to look in your house home you're inviting them into your home that's it yeah. okay that's fair that's fair um i don't make the rules yeah just follow um that's the thing about game of thrones in the sense where it was like friend like i had friends that that i they i could never force them to actually sit down and, and watch lord of the rings especially the extended editions like they just wouldn't do it mm -hmm. they're not gonna commit to that but i had friends binging game of thrones 
Because yeah. I actually had friends that don't aren't into fantasy, would never watch fantasy. They're they the ones it. telling me to watch Game yeah. of Thrones with the original series. Exactly. I was like, yeah. everyone is watching the show. And, I guess I need to check it out. And that's the thing. Like, and I'm not like super huge into like, oh, all these like popular shows that are watching like like what is it, like Squid Games or like yeah. the Dahmer series. Like, I just some things I just don't really have an interest in, so I won't necessarily watch them just to watch them because I know even though it's big, a lot of people tend to watch it. Right. And sometimes it's good, sometimes it isn't. But Game of Thrones is just one of those things where it's like towards the end when people start like when people caught up and finished the binge. Yeah. I had people coming over to my house like when I was in college and we had giant watch parties and it was like hype. Everything. Yeah, every time something would happen, everybody yelling and like the energy was great. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and then the last season, but. <laughs> well, I mean, but did you have a watch party for that final episode? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I so was actually it, I was actually getting off of a plane, and this episode started in twenty minutes, and I just landed, and I was like, "Get me out of here right <laughs> now!" Um, and it was crazy. Like you just you 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 go through that last episode, you you see how it ends, and it's like I don't know how to feel about that. What just happened? And then the credits run. And it's like this is the last time I'm gonna watch like Game of Thrones like this. Like mm-hmm. this is the last Sunday I'm gonna be able to see this with these people. And um, it's just there was a certain like just kind of like you had to be there moment yeah with this show yeah. the like the phenomenon that it was and like like you said grabbing people that aren't into fantasy and then putting them and then like like making them watch this stuff even like for me i enjoyed it to yeah me, for the most part like i enjoyed the experience like yeah the latter seasons weren't as strong i think but i think as a whole um i enjoyed the experience of being able to connect with people that i really didn't think would be into that type of stuff mm-hmm and to get them into that. So for me, House of the Dragon coming back, like a new Game of Thrones title coming back, for me, that was exciting because I knew that towards the latter seasons, the way, when they started straying off was when the book stopped being written, like where they had that source material yeah. from. And so I was like, all right, you're making, I, there was there is source material for this, for this story. And it's like, how much? This story yeah. is done. I'm not gonna. I know there's just. I only know of one book. Is there there other books? It's just one book. Okay. I mean, there is a giant spoiler in Game of Thrones. I mean, I don't know if anyone's come across it yet, but like, there is a mention of like, I guess the main thing, um, and like how they're gonna handle that. I'm interested to see, but the fact that it was coming up, like, I can feel like certain hype. I didn't want to get myself too excited because Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, but the fact that oh, we're getting another Game of Thrones show. I'm sick. I'm with it. And then and and there's a sense of familiarity too. There's a sense of almost trust because like you said, didn't watch Squid Games, didn't watch Dahmer. These are kind of like fashionable shows to watch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you know this show's going to be around gonna for de- a while. Exactly. They're going to I I would hope they would deliver. That's the thing like maybe I'm too trusting, maybe I'm, but it's like at this point, you saw the criticisms, you saw what what you where the ship went wrong. They can't possibly let's, repeat the same let's, mistakes. You know, like <laughs> exactly. That's I'm hopeful in that aspect. Yeah. yeah. And they also had the author kind of on like on board and he was kind of hyping up the show before, so I feel like that really gave me that like sense of peace and I was like, I think this is going to be good. I don't want to like exactly. say it too loud, but I think this is going to be good. Exactly. And and that's the thing where it was like watching that first episode with you. I mean, I was already telling you, I was like, but this is some, this is better than some of the Game of Thrones episodes we've yeah, seen. Yeah, honestly, that premiere was like it was it was it was, it was movie quality it's, basically. Yeah, it's like it's it's medieval. It's a medieval they have the whole tournament, they have like all that stuff. And then you got dragons. And you're just putting dragons in yeah, there. That's yeah. all you need. I yeah, I guess that's a the big part of it too is 
obviously the writing i think is the main i think there's definitely a, a shock factor where you can't really obviously there's source material so like yes if you read that you do know what's going to happen but i think even then if you're reading it and you're following the story it's i i don't think it's that easy to predict and i think that's how it kind of kind of takes you in because you're hooked on these stories and these people and a lot of the times the people do unexpected things and the 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 people that you think are going to survive don't and sometimes the worst people do and I think it's a combination of that, all of those things that kind of make it interesting. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, you just kind of get invested in these characters, I mm. think. And so, like, a lot of them you maybe don't want to root for. Some of them you kind of do, and the other ones you're just like, I'm not cheering for you. I don't wish bad against you, but you're just a ball of chaos, and I'm interested to see what you're going to supply to this. So is that is that, like, the character Damon? Is that the character that... He's literally... He does not care about anything, but he cares about everything too much that he mm. just, he does anything on a whim and just, he does not care. He does and that he to feels. me. Exactly. He's a ball of emotion. Exactly. Yeah. But he doesn't, show, like, he doesn't like show it. Like he just does it. He's just a man of action. He just does things. Mm -hmm. Like he's, he's not talk. And I think, especially like when there's so many people trying to restrain themselves like in their in the characters like try to restrain themselves based on their position mm -hmm. try not to do anything too hasty he's just like i don't care i'm sending it like i'm fully so sending is that it. like an air of stoicism a heart of fury yeah for damon yeah. Exactly. pure impulse for, for sure like he there's not one like it's not like he really just yells he's just he's so imposing and commanding but he's quiet he's quiet like he's like the way that he speaks the way that he carries himself Matt, I mean, Matt Smith is Matt just Smith a fantastic is incredible. actor. He's amazing. Just with a and look, think, and you know, you know what's about to go and down. He, and he just embodies that. I think he just does so well in that role, in that character, that it's like, that to me alone is like enough to watch the show. Like to see what he's up, the antics that he's up to this week and how he's like just going to throw a wrench in everyone's plans. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you actually, I don't know if you love your brother or you don't. Oh, I don't, even by the end of season one, you're just, you're uncertain or? I just never know with him if he's being honest or not. I don't know what he actually cares about, what he does. Yeah. He's like, he's like Xanatos in the Gargoyles animated series. That's a throwback. <laughs> oh my that's gosh. A deep that, that is, oh, well, that's one of my earlier yeah, also exposure to fantasy. That's yeah, got knights. It's got Merlin. It's got, you know. There's a lot of Shakespeare, uh, Midsummer Night's Dream, yeah. and that, if anyone hasn't seen Gargoyles, I think it's all on Disney Plus. Mm -hmm. That show is fire because like Xanatos has this one line: "Spoilers for Gargoyles, 1994 <laughs> through six. Xanatos um, eventually ends up marrying Fox, which is uh, one of the mm -hmm. like group of assassins of like pack, the pack, pack animal villains, and he has this line w where like they vow their vows are to love each other as much as people like them can mm. and it was like this man loves this woman but is not sure that he is capable of actual love so as close to love as xanatos can like feel that's what xanatos vows in this moment and i say that line to my wife all the time i was like i love you as much as <laughs> two people like us can love one another and like i guess that's it that's damon yeah. like i'm sure he does in his way. In his own yeah. way, yeah. yeah. And that's the thing that I think 
is so interesting about these modern um, fantasy shows. Like, I mean, Game of Thrones and, and House of Dragon. House mm-hmm. of the Dragon is so... You're Latino, aren't you? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> um, it's, it's just so interesting to see because there's so many things like in medieval like in medieval media and fantasy and stuff like that that is from the perspective of someone that wrote back wrote it back then Mm -hmm. and i feel like house of the dragon and game of thrones brings a modern perspective to a story or a set piece like or a period that's back in back in those days back in time that it's like it brings certain modernism to it which i think is is interesting to see because it's like when do you think that's going to happen yeah, I think but, it also comes down to like all those underlying themes like yeah, this is these are fantasy realms and and these people are fake and we don't have dragons and things like that, but all of these themes, all of these relationships, these like best friend betraying best friend and and marriages and and betrayals and politics is a big part of all of this as well. Those are all yes. themes that we're familiar with. Rivalries, um, yeah. Some, something relate. that's something that's huge in Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Politics is a big time. Yeah. If anyone hasn't seen Tales of the Jedi, we talked about it. I think just last week. We like, oh, I need to watch it. that. You've got to watch it. I it's know. Amazing. I know. It's the best fantasy series on TV right now. Okay, wow. Tales of the Jedi. It's a lot of politics. I love it. Here for it. It's sad too. It's sad, but hopeful. Um. Okay, I'm definitely going to finish House of the Dragon and maybe I'll, you know, maybe this conversation and, you know, the end of season one will kind of shift my perspective. I'm not saying the show's bad. I think the show's very good. I think it's very well done. Um, I just think that I'm looking for something a little more optimistic. Mm. Like you're saying, your pitch is like chaos and destruction. And yeah, yeah I mean, I... I... go ahead. Go ahead. No, please. Oh, jinx, you. Okay. Um. Yeah, no, it's just gonna be more chaos. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not even gonna lie to you. It's um, straight up. It's just I, w- I was gonna say you should take this season one as a as a prequel to the actual meat of the story, that is the Dance of Dragons. Really? Yes. Okay. I'm gonna be so, honest with you. A a lot is on the line here because I'm not the one that House of the Dragon needs to convince. It's it's my it's, wife. <laughs> Because okay. if I drag her through these four weeks, it's going to determine whether we even start season two next year. So I, It's worth watching. It is worth watching, is worth watching. But like I said, if you're looking for hope <laughs> in this, this not, show... This is not the show for you. Uh, but I feel like there is another. Yeah, but there is another. Maybe, but maybe that's a bigger question of maybe the hope isn't glaringly obvious. Maybe it's to be found in these certain individuals in their like willingness to keep going and trying and fighting for what they want. And that's funny because that's exactly how I feel about the second series that that's going on right now. They just finished wrapping up uh, because there's almost a sense of dread and doom and uh, foreboding destruction on the horizon. But by the end of season one, I couldn't help but feel hope for that, for that will to survive. And even if the sun sets on a dark day, to know that the sun rises on another, even if it is in the distant future, that show is rings of power. And I enjoyed this show 
way more than I thought I would, as I mentioned in episode one of this season, and perhaps even, I don't remember the last, no, I think it was episode one of this season was the last time we talked about it on air. This show, I enjoyed it. This show is epic. Yeah. I did not expect epic from Amazon. I expected they spent all their money getting the rights on it (laughs) and that it would pale in comparison to the films. I'm not saying it's to the level of the films, but for a TV show, it has a lot of the same aesthetic more so than I expected. I I was expecting it to feel very disparate from the films, but I'm trying very hard, but succeeding to make mental gymnastics of having it all fit together in my headcanon. What do you guys think? I yeah. Hmm. I was very um <coughs> excuse me. I was very mm, cautious. Yeah. I was cautiously optimistic. I won't lie. I think I was just cautious. <laughs> um I don't know. This I don't know. That's just the thing about me where it's like I just I wanna hope that something is gonna be good. I'm the same way. Es- especially if it's such like it's attached to a title that's so close to my heart. Yeah, it's like, man, please, please be good because it's like, for some things, I'm, I'm straight up just gonna, that looks like it's gonna suck. It's gonna be terrible. Yeah. Um, but for other things where it's like, I want to have hope that that it's gonna be good because it's like I can't stand. Like I don't know. I just, it would be so much worse if it's like something that's that dear to me and it sucked because. Like, I just, I, I was so, like, not, maybe not all the characters, but those stories, that world, that realm is so near and dear to my heart. Yeah. That it's like, if I'm going to be immersed in it and at this day and age, why, why can't it be good? Yeah. I'm, I'm already past that point. I think, <laughs> I think, uh, Marvel has failed me. I think Star Wars has failed me. I think, uh, I think every universe that I've loved has had, low points and i think i've come to terms with the fact that like that's just gonna happen there's gonna be chapters that i'm not gonna like there's gonna be you know series and even years that i'm not gonna like and hopefully the next good one is around the corner but i'm just going to dismiss anything that (laughs) doesn't interest me and feel happy for whoever does enjoy it i mean that's the thing i feel like it it mirrors life in that sense where it's like not everything's gonna be freaking amazing not everything's gonna be the best time of your life like but why not I mean, in a sense, yeah, you're trying to escape. You're trying to go into fat, but it's like not everything is for you. Yeah, absolutely. In that sense. And some people might love it. Some people might love Batman vs Superman and Justice League and, and all that stuff. And listen, if, if, if it's for everyone, sometimes it's not for it's you. Not, yeah. Yeah. Because if it's for everyone, then it's like, is it really? It can't be it for can't everyone be. all the time. And... Some people might dislike a lot of things I love. I might do the same, vice versa. But it's like, I'm happy in the sense where it's like, somebody's getting some enjoyment out mm-hmm. of it. Um, whoever that is, man, you're insane. But I think, I'm just kidding. But I, I, think, I think that it mirrors life in the sense where it's like, yeah, some things just aren't going to land for you. Some things just aren't going to hit for you. But I don't think that's, I don't think necessarily, for me at least, it's a, it's like a door to walk through where it's going to be. It's just saying, hey, I think this is going to suck. And you're just kind of like hopeless in that sense where it's yeah. like, I try not to do that as much as possible because mm-hmm. there are so many things that, yes, there are only so many things in life that will disappoint you. And 
that's just an unfortunate aspect of the life we live. But I always try to see like, hopefully there's something on the horizon that I could look forward to that I, that this yeah. can be good. And that was one of the things with rings of power that I'm like, I'm, I saw the first trailer and I'm like, mm, please be good. Please be good. Yeah, please don't be 1.25 speed. The way we accidentally watched it. Oh, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> when we played a Lord of the Rings trailer, we had YouTube set to 1.25 speed by accident. So we were like, something's off with this show. This is weird. It doesn't look. This is, I don't know if it's going to be the good. The pacing is off. Yeah. The music, the score is just so fast. And But I don't know if that was to mislead you or, or they were trying to hook people in because the, tra- the, what I, the feeling that I got from the trailer and what I got in the show were feel completely different. Yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, I think. I don't remember the trailer. I don't even remember it. It was like modern music and a lots of slow motion. Oh, mine was fast. And I'll also, I, the filter or something with the camera quality was not the yeah, same at all. Yeah. I'm I was like, this looks, I don't yeah, I was like, this looks bad. And, but it's like, you watch the show and I'm like, it felt lifeless. Oh my goodness. There's, no, when I watched the show, it was vibrant. Yeah, yeah absolutely. From the first episode, I was like, yeah, it popped. Oh, okay. Beautiful. You got me. How, how many did they give us in the first week? Two. Two, no. right? Yeah. I think it was three. No, I think it was three. Three or four? I think it was three. I think it was three, and then the fourth one came pretty fast. I it think was it was three. three. What? Because I think it was the same as as Andor. Who dropped? No. No. Mm. Oh, now I'm not Andor sure. Andor was definitely three. Yeah, Andor was three. I think maybe Lord of the Rings was two. They're just so long. I, no, Lord of the, I'm pretty sure Lord of the Rings was yeah, two. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was two now that I think about it. it but they were longer like than the hour. three Andors. Well, every episode gets longer. Yeah, which yeah. is... I don't crazy. care. I'm loving. It. I don't care. Okay. Nothing. They were all. It was like a bunch of mini movies. I could, I could trim a little fat here and there, but <laughs> for the most part, I'm okay with it. Especially like I think I said in the uh, the beginning is the end is the beginning episode one of the season. We were halfway through it, and I was like, I don't know how I feel about the show. Like I'm getting tired of it. That and then you guys were like, Did you see this week's? From <laughs> that point on, those like I think last three. I'm like, this show's amazing. Like, yeah. it all came together, what they were building to. But some of those longer running times were getting long in the tooth. Especially when I got, like, it, it drops on Friday. I get home tired from work. I got a lot, a lot of stuff going on on the weekend. House of the Dragon has to drop at Sunday at 9. I'm not even awake at that time. All this stuff builds up, you know. And when you were dropping two and then three of this one. It's, it's, Man, I'm not going to lie. Those weeks where they overlapped... Dude, I was, we were feasting. We were eating. I was. Yeah, what's that famous Lord of the Rings? It was <laughs> cool. amazing. Oh, looks like meat's back on the menu, boys <laughs> and, I think, and girls. And I think it is for, for, for fantasy fans right now. I think this is probably one of the most prolific age yeah. for, for fantasy film and television. It's definitely a good so time to be and, and what, what yeah. is film and television is just the lines are blurred. Man. Exactly. That's that that line is being pushed pushed forward and back. Rings of Power. What what makes this show so great? I know also a lot of people who haven't watched this show may not have gotten into Lord of the Rings. Our own producer Dan's only seen Fellowship of the Ring because we sat he's, him he's down. Start. Well, he started Two Towers. I sat okay. him down and started Two Towers. Ah, but if you start, it, he's got to but... start all over again now. Um, what what makes Rings of Power such a great show? I mean, 
I mean, is it a great show? Is that fair? I think so. Do you have to be into Lord of the Rings to enjoy the show? <sighs> See, that's the thing. Maybe. I think I think, I think right. it's I think you might have I young something there because I think it's definitely more enjoyable if you are. Yeah. More because, or do you or is it a, a must? I think people can get into it, but I don't think the majority I think the like I think more people would get into like House of the Dragon or something like that more than than Rings of Power. Okay. I know this is asking for a lot. But if you had someone who's interested, should you be like, go watch the movies first and then watch Rings of Power? Or, you, or would you be like, yeah, go ahead, watch Rings of Power? Have they never seen, like, they know nothing about Lord yeah, of the Rings? Yeah, they know nothing about no, Lord of the Rings. No, go watch Lord of the Rings. Like, you, yeah, you don't have to watch Rings of Power. <laughs> go watch Lord <laughs> of the Rings. But let's say they want to watch Rings of Power because it's a new show. It's on Amazon. They have it. It's free. Go watch Lord of the Rings. I would watch. I would watch the first ten minutes of Fellowship. Uh huh. And then go watch Rings of Power. And point. then go watch Lord of the Rings. But go if, watch Lord of the Rings. If no, well, let's say they don't have the time to or the energy to, right? Bro, if you have the like what twelve hours, if you're gonna watch, hours, if you're gonna watch the show, watch the movies. <laughs> No, let's Watch say the extended like, I'm, not willing pause. To commit, I'm not willing to commit to all three movies, not even like not even the, the, the regular versions, but I am willing to watch this show. It's the same amount the of time. The trilogy of films is the same amount of time as watching season one. But I'm saying if they're like, I just I'm not going to watch the movies. They're like, I'm not going to do it. Sorry to tell you, but I am Don't watch Rings watching about. Rings in Power. Then I'd be go like, watch season, go watch season eight of Game of Thrones. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> All right, go finish. Watch I'm Harry Potter. Really, I'll let I'm you finish. Here. No, no, go ahead. Go I ahead. agree. Go watch Lord of the Rings. But no, no, I you're defending I, these I, monsters. I would, <laughs> I would say go watch the first 10 minutes of Fellowship and then go watch Rings of Power. If you no, if does. you're not if you're never gonna watch the movies, realistically, some people just don't want to, but nah, they're more willing by, to commit to a show. No, she, yeah. she does. She has a point. You don't think that if they watch Ring of Powers and actually enjoy it, they're gonna want to go watch the movies after that? Oh, absolutely. That's the point, though. I don't understand how that's possible. Like that wouldn't happen. Like it doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> but I mean, no, she has a point. Like the way yeah. that, the way that the first te- situation here, I'm working with. It. Yeah. <laughs> the way that the the way that the first ten minutes of Lord of the Rings are set up, I'm assuming is literally what they were like when they were like thinking about a story for Rings of Power. They're just like, let's play this. Let's yeah. watch this. I'm telling just, you. Yes. Going on from there. I went and watched the first 10 minutes of Fellowship after I finished Rings of Power. And I was like, nice. this is perfect. This is perfect because now you know exactly what they're talking about. Now you watched it, basically. Now you know what we're working towards. And the thing is that you just have so much more context in a sense of like yeah. that world. Yeah. If you watch Lord of the Rings, that everything yeah. just makes more sense it's you mm-hmm. have this commitment because you know who these characters are you know who who their offspring is not the right word <laughs> but descendants line yeah the, who, the, who their descendants are and how they're relevant and how it all connects so yeah your offspring was i don't know it just feels like a weird word but it's yeah. something about like the music the it's music like, is epic in it that was that was something I was so like interested to see like if they're gonna recapture that magic. Yeah, and they, was it Bear McCreary or, or whatever his name is? Sorry if I'm butchering your name. Bear McFury. Bear McCreary. Oh, okay. <laughs> that guy's great, man. Like the music in this show is phenomenal, and there's just certain most like moments when the music's hitting, and you get like 
those like landscape shots. Mm-hmm. Oh my good! Like what is it? The last episode. There's shots throughout the whole show, but I literally remember the last episode. When Gal- I guess I can't say it, but these yeah, two right. Are, we really shouldn't. These two people are riding on a horse, and you just see like the backdrop. It's like a shot straight out of Lord of the Rings, man. Like yeah. you're getting to see more of the dwarves and like them at their prime. Yeah, getting stuff to stuff like that is just getting to see these locations that we only like heard about but never got to see like absolutely or like it's like i'd rather watch them this way than not watch them at all numenor incredible oh my goodness incredible i i it's like eyed when i saw it first time exactly no it's just so beautiful there's just something about like there's like a golden age that you hear about in stories but you're right now you're living in that i guess it's like a Let's say that's an idealized version of the prequels, like in Star Wars. Bring yeah. back to Star Wars, like you, you're living in the rebellion time, in times of the old, in the original trilogy, mm-hmm. and it's like it's bleak, it's dark, not a lot of hope, and you go back, and then for the prequels, I guess what they're supposed to be this, this, this golden age of, of this establishment. Yes. Going back and seeing the stylized and romanticized version of what we've only heard about. Mm-hmm. And going back and everything's like has that gleam, that polish, that shiny factor. And it's like, and that to me is like how I um, input it into my Lord of the Rings, you know, like world or that realm or whatever. Right. Where it's like, it's shinier. It looks prettier. It looks nicer because I feel like that's in a sense of the time, like that's how it was. Mm-hmm. And the thing I like about it, this show is it doesn't necessarily dwell on it. Like, yeah, it has to take some time to build up. But once you get to that one episode where everything just like makes sense and everything just changes from there. And that's what I liked about it. Like after that point, it just, we're going from there. And you kind of like, kind of feel like in the direction of where you're going from, from that point on. And it's hard like to not discuss it, to not actually talk about Mm -hmm. what what I'm actually referring to. But it's interesting too, that we can sustain a conversation here without spoiling spoiling. really, really either of these shows. Cause you didn't even spoil the end of, House of Dragon for me. House of the Dragon for me. Are you Latino? Yes, I am. Um, Someone has to give context at some point for that. I don't no, put it in the show notes. <laughs> Dan, are you are you there? Dan? Um, so the fact that we can sustain that conversation without spoiling it, because it is fresh in our mind, and that's kind of what this conversation has been about. It's about the idea of fantasy rather than the details. Sure, we can pour over the scenes and the events that take place during these narratives, but really this world that fantasy transports us through these two series is something so unlike the world that we live in, yet so relevant. And especially in these in these days when we're like when the world of man is torn asunder. Yeah. Right. No, uh, yeah, I think that um Man, I'm losing that train of thought. Well, I'll, thought. I'll tell you what I want to talk about. That ending was a linchpin. Like, because the events that round out that story in Rings of Power, oh, I, I know them. I know what's supposed to happen. And the way that they approached it was fresh in the sense that I didn't see them telling that story this way, but it still makes sense. Like, in the context of the original text. I mean, that, that fits in with what I was what I was getting at. Obviously, so many times you get, obviously, when you have a big title, you're going to get spinoffs. You're going to get prequels. Mm-hmm. We have one right now with House of the Dragon. Right. And so many different things. 
we have one right now with with Rings of Power, but we have two Star Wars shows at the same time, dropping exactly. in the same week. There's just there's there's things about prequels where I feel like people like people that make these things have like a checklist where it's like drop the references, drop the references, yeah, like blatant references in your face that it's just like if at times it feels a little insulting, like it seems a little cheap, where it's like pandering. Yeah, you're pandering, and you're just you're you're putting this. We obviously know why you're putting this. And I think Rings of Power doesn't really do that like it tells mm-hmm. its story but obviously it's such it's well written in the sense where it's like because these events actually happen it's just naturally it's naturally like in like ingrained in the story where it's like you don't have to call direct attention to it yeah. like lineages or things that are going things that are going to happen danger like impending doom impending danger stuff like that where it's like the story just does its job it tells a story mm-hmm. in its own in its own world, but it also doesn't disrespect what's going to come next. I think it adds to it, in fact. Um, yeah, that was my thought. I think a really great decision that both of these um, shows did was place the time period so far in the distant past. I think, show, even though it's not as much in the Star Wars shows like Andor and Tales of the Jedi... They go so far back the period from what we normally follow that you can tell a fresh story without affecting yeah. too much. And that's what House of the Dragon and uh, Rings of Power both do. We know what the event, what these events are going to lead to, but it's like hundreds of years away, thousand years away from the events. So you are very limited in how much of that pandering and Easter eggs yeah. and and references like the show has to stand alone like in order to sustain the viewership you actually have to make a good show and sometimes i think that's what falls flat with fans of a particular genre that fan service can override actual storytelling and that's what draws us to these stories yeah characterization something a story that we can relate to and that we can believe in yeah, there's also something about, and I, I guess it's good writing, or maybe it's, it's probably casting part of it, but mm-hmm. I feel like a decent show, it gives you it gives you the good characters that are easy to root for, but it also yes. gives you those morally gray, or sometimes not gray, sometimes pretty morally black, and you find yourself also rooting for those characters somehow. Um because they're interesting and because I think that's always interesting to kind of learn, especially right. like the origins of maybe not the villain origin story, but mm-hmm. just watching people like that. I, th- I think that is fair for Ring of Power. And I think like the jury's out on a show like House of the Dragon, like anti-hero or just the villain you like to root for because he's so delicious. We talked about you talked you mentioned casting. Like, Matt Smith was amazing in Doctor Who, amazing in Morbius. I'm just kidding about the last one. But Matt Smith is a great actor. That movie. <laughs> uh, he's a great actor, so he drives that narrative forward. I was worried with Rings of Power, no known actors, which is yeah. sometimes a blessing, you know? But it can be a curse because I'm wondering, like, why couldn't they attract A-list? It's not like they had purely unknowns. Although it's not like it was top tier at the time when they cast them, you know, actors no. in the original films, right? 
but there's no one that you really know on these shows. And I was worried at first. How did you think the 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 cast of Rings of Power did in bringing these characters that are so iconic, um, and that we already have a predisposed vision of a list actors portraying? How do you think that cast did in bringing these characters to life? You want to go? I think they're great. I first want to say that I'm 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 a big believer in especially when there is an opportunity with a newer show where the source material is really known. Um, if you have an opportunity to bring unknown actors into roles, I, I say go for it. I think it's harder a lot of the times when you bring a famous actor, even with Matt Smith, who did incredible in House of the Dragon. It took me personally like an episode or two for me not to see Matt Smith. Interesting. As, you know, Matt Smith playing Damon. He did a great job, and, and I think eventually I got over that, but... I, I love when they put unknowns in a show and then that actor then becomes your new favorite. Now you start looking for them in other projects because you say, wow, they did so well in this one thing and now they're a beloved character. And I personally think they did a great job casting. I think it's a very diverse cast, which is also incredible. Like the first Latino elf ever. That's yeah, amazing. For real. Um, I wonder if he says House of Dragon or House of the Dragon. We got to look it up. Yeah, we're gonna have to find that. We'll see. No, I. Did you want to? No, I think you're. Um, I can. I can do this all day. I'm just interrupting. <laughs> um, no, I. I think that. I mean, that's the thing with they did that with Game of Thrones. Like they had, mm-hmm. they had Sean Bean. Who I'm like, that's Boromir. He's <laughs> Boromir. This entire show for me. That's oh, never mind. All right, maybe he is Ned Stark. Yeah. Now he's Ned Stark. Mm-hmm. He's still Boromir, but now he's also Ned Stark. Yeah, and I was expecting him to betray someone at some point in season like one, he and he didn't, and I was like, wow. So it isn't really just growth. him. Growth. Yeah, he but then he dies just like he always does. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I was like, oh, I guess it he cost, is, is. It cost him his life. <laughs> um, I think Game of Thrones did that. Um, casting a lot of unknowns in that show. Mm-hmm. That I mean, aside from Sean Bean, but I mean, now look at all of them. Look at the rest of the cast. A lot of them are... I mean, are they full-fledged stars now? Yeah. Um, Wait, is that... Oh, Game of Thrones, yeah. 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 And then House of the Dragon. House of the Dragon, I think, brought a little more, a bit more talent, like like known talent. Mm-hmm. But I think that they're just great. And it's true. It's not even that much. Because it's like, I'll say Matt Smith. Even Matt Smith, like genre fans, will say we love him and this and that. But he's also not like super famous either. Yeah. yeah. You know, but he's probably the most famous guy yeah. on the show. Like both of... Um, both of Rhaenyra's didn't, I don't even think they worked on much aside. I think the older Rhaenyra, the one that we're getting now is, I think she's like a broad, like a, like a Broadway actress mm. or she did a lot she's of a stage actor. Stage actress. Yeah. Um, a lot of, a lot of, she's British. She's Australian. She's Australian. Okay. They're uh, both Australian. Oh, they both are really. The younger one and the older one. Interesting. Um, I knew Olivia Cook, Matt Smith. Um, Right, Reese Ephens or oh, that's right, Hightower. Reese Ephens isn't he's just, uh, Patty Constantine, the lizard. Patty Constantine. Oh my goodness, I didn't even get to talk about him. Oh my goodness, King Vis. Uh, you haven't gotten there to the end, but no, bro. I thought that guy would have died like three episodes. Everyone ago. did. Everyone did. But Viser, uh, um, not to go back, but like Vis- he did no, such bro. a great he job, and I think he should. His life in this. He should win an Emmy. That guy is he so doesn't. good in this show. Um. But yeah, back to Rings of Power. I think they did great. I think they did really good. I 
Who did I know from Rings of Power? I uh, I do I personally don't think I knew anyone. I knew that the guy from Mandalorian was gonna be um the elf uh Erondir. Arondir? Mm-hmm. Cool name. Who's, who's he in the Mandalorian? He's in Mandalorian season one. He's one of the Twi'leks that tries to betray. He has a sister or something that betrays them. Man, he tries to betray Mando, but Mando's like, "Huh, got okay, you." But it's a a bit. Part, yeah, right? yeah, it's, it's yeah. not a big thing. Yeah. Um. No, there's someone in. Whoever you are, we're happy that you're famous and successful. I'm you're just escaping to... our mind right now. I personally... oh, that's who it was. Elrond. 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 Elrond's in Game of Thrones. Oh, he's in Game of Thrones. He's young Ned Stark. Who wasn't in Game of really? Thrones? Really? Oh, but like in a flashback. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's not a big part of it. I still either. remember his face. Oh, you do remember his face? Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't remember. I wouldn't remember Peter from Paul. Elrond from whatever his character's name is. Oh, Ned, I guess. Elrond from Ned. How do you guys feel about oh, yeah. his portrayal as Elrond? I think he did great. I think he's a good actor, but I also... The thing that was throwing me off was the hair. That's the main thing. I'm going to be honest with you. It's a thousand year difference. And yeah, sure. But <laughs> listen, we talked about whether this show can be enjoyed as a fan of Lord of the Rings or not a fan. I kind of feel the same way about the actors in the sense that I'm not sure if I can fairly judge whether they're doing a good service to the character or not, because they have, I think they're doing really good for the task that they have, which is to me is in a very difficult task to accomplish. You are the same character from a thousand years from now. So you have to both be that character and be completely different. Mm-hmm. So the Galadriel that we get on this show is nothing like Galadriel, but she still has to channel Galadriel. I mean, both of them, I think, I think they're the same. I think they're the two sides of the coin. Like yeah. Galadriel, you see in, in certain instances where she's like uber powerful and she's cool, but she's very peaceful. She's very, you know, she's she's like a rock for like a lot, like when they meet her in, in Lord of the Rings. Oh, sorry to cut you off, yeah. but Galadriel's journey on this show puts into context mm-hmm. her scenes in the Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. So much more. Where I'm so always like, more. that's, yeah, where it's like, that's weird. That's Lord of the Rings. It doesn't really make sense. Like, I kind of understand what's going on here. According to this show, those scenes make so no, much more sense. Galadriel's in Galadriel's youth. Yeah. However long that is, it's like, I can see how she goes from this, like, you know, BA warrior, warrior princess to, to you know, like, obviously with time changing perspective, growing older, to be... um more like you know peaceful soothing and then just trying to like talk things out Mm -hmm. and then i can also see how elrond is this hopeful young optimistic dude who i mean tries to have faith in man but man isildur kind of screws him over and he's kind of not as trusting which is the Mm -hmm. vibe that i get from Mm -hmm. from lord of the rings with how elrond is he's just he's just not as trusting he's He's pessimistic. He he, Cautious. he only like actually smiles when he talks to like uh, Gandalf or like people that aren't humans because mm-hmm. he has no faith in them. Uh, what's Isildur's father's name? Do you guys? Elendil. Okay. So my wife is the like Lord of the Rings buff. And she's like, oh, that's the name of the light that, you know, Galadriel gives yeah, them. Gives the, yeah. So gives them like we're constantly 
Yeah, we're constantly pausing the show, like fact checking, looking stuff up. We're like, I remember this. Let me look it up that. And then I'll press play. And then they'll explain that exact same thing as soon as I'm done <laughs> pausing. And like on one hand, it's very frustrating. But on the other hand, I really appreciate it there. Because if you're looking for the breadcrumbs, they're there. It doesn't spoon feed them to you. But it all makes sense if you're paying attention. Mm-hmm. And that's something I appreciate and didn't expect. And just like, like you said, going back further, far enough where it's like, these are stories of old. These are things like, like I was um, reading, uh, let me see, I'm, Fellowship, Fellowship of the Ring, when mm-hmm. they're in the council, when they're in Elrond's council in Rivendell. And like Frodo freaks out about Elrond like being alive back then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's like, that story was like year, like hundreds of years ago. Like, mm-hmm. what are you talking about? And he's like, yeah, well, I'm pretty old. Yeah. So it's just stuff like that, I think, is the fact that a show nowadays can like not bog you down with the details, but also give you enough where it's like, we know. And now they're trying to like, you know, not force feed you, but they're giving you enough to go off of. Yeah. I think I once made a comparison like in Last Jedi, Luke is the reluctant knight, right? Iron Man is a man in a suit of armor. He's Sir Gawain. He's King Arthur. You know, we're retelling these same stories all throughout time. And these fantasy shows that we're making now harken back to a period in our time that is almost like a fantasy in and of itself. We have records of what occurred during those times, but... Some of those time periods are so far back that it, we're limited to our understanding and, and we're still understanding it more and more as time and history progresses. But also some of it is kind of, you know, in a dark part of our history where those narratives, they're biased, they're skewed, you know, they're altered and chain, changed. And I think that's what draws us, the mystery of it, not just the fantasy, but the mystery. And I think that's what these two shows are doing today. And I think it echoes like what draws us to this genre as a whole. And for those that haven't been drawn to it, there's an endless opportunity for stories to connect with that help teach us not just about themselves, but about ourselves and where we come from as well. While we wrap this conversation, any final thoughts on, on this subject? two shows we've talked about just a greater idea behind them lay first um no you could you can go first so i can just sit and think on it um there's uh there's just this there's line that i mean there's so many lines that i remember from from lord of the rings but there's this line that um that aragorn reluctant knight um that he says to in in the two towers that he's um they're about to fight like against insurmountable odds and there's mm-hmm. a kid that's like war he's like a 15 he's like a 15 year old ready to fight a battle that he's probably not going to win so he's afraid and and so Aragorn has this moment with him where he goes to him and like he tests out his sword and then he gives him he comforts him in a way yeah and he gives him strength he tells him that he's like brave but then like the kid asks him he's like most people think we're not going to make through the night. Like they said, there's no hope. And then Aragorn just 
drops this line. I mean, it's so simple, but to me, like it's always stayed with me. It's something that I relate to like almost everything in my life. How I've been saying it, this whole conversation It's like, everyone just simply tells me like, there's always hope. Mm. And that to me as a kid has been impactful as an adult. It's been impactful. Yeah. It's, it's one of the main things that drives my life and what I look for. Like I said, like, I don't want to be pessimistic about a lot of things. I don't want to say something's going to be bad. Um, I try to find the hope. I try to have hope that things will be, will turn out for the better, that things can be good. Um, and that's one of the things that I guess fantasy in general has taught me. It's such a strong theme in Star Wars. Um, and for me, it's the same thing in the Lord of the Rings, which is why I gravitate towards it so much. That theme that it's like, there is always hope. Even in, in the face of insurmountable odds, mm-hmm. you can always... Like you have a choice to believe in something. Yeah. And, and that's what I try to do in every day. Like, yeah, real life is so different from like watching movie. Real life is tough. Real life is hard. Things happen in life that are going to get in your face. They're, they're unexpected. You, they might not land for you. You might be going through a ridiculously tough time, but I think at the end of the day, you still have the choice to, to hope to, to, that you can be better and that the situation can get better. Yeah. And I mean, that's something that's just so like I said, like I harp on it every time, impactful and powerful in my life that why wait, why spend my time watching this stuff? Why spend my time reading about this stuff? Mm-hmm. It's some of the things that it's like at the root of the conversation, like why we do all this is to get, to find what is so important to us for me. I mean, for a lot of people, I think it's that just driving factor. It's, it's hope to look forward to, to look in, like to look forward to something and to believe that it's going to work out in the end. Uh, no further thoughts. <laughs> I think that was you nailed beautiful, it. Right? I thought that was beautiful. I guess I'll just leave our listeners and our viewers with a quote from Rings of Power, which I sent to you guys, right, with the screen cap mm-hmm. towards the end of season one. Uh, Elrond says, "Hope is never mere, not even when it is meager. Even in the face of hopelessness." There's always something to gravitate to. And we hope that you keep on hoping and keep on searching with us week to week. Till next time, search on.